The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for all the best and latest news, tips, techniques, and strategies to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And we have a very interesting program today that I suspect is going to make some people angry, make some people surprised, make some people disappointed, but it's an important one to talk about. We're going to discuss the truth about the short sale market today. My guest is Anthony Allen, an agent with Keller Williams Realty and owner of the company ShortSaleYourLenderToday.com. Anthony has many years experience in the short sale market, both as a real estate agent and as a real estate investor. And he's joining us today by phone from his home in Chesterfield, Missouri. Anthony, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, good to be here. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great here, Anthony, and um, we're we're today. We're not going to talk about the hype about short sales. <laughs> we're not going to talk about the the billions of courses out there that are available about short sales. We're going to talk about one man's actual real life experience in the day to day short sale market, and that's you. So okay. let's start by just sort of giving the listeners some background on how you got into the short sale business, what your business really is, the number of deals you've done, that sort of thing. Okay. Well, I, I sort of got into the short sale business I, by mistake. I uh, I worked in corporate America for many years and, uh, you know, found myself transferring from one place to the other and changing jobs. And every time I changed jobs, I had a house I couldn't sell. And, uh, you know, I realized that uh, at some point, you know, I woke up one day and had four houses, and I'm like, oops, got to get rid of that, got to fix that problem. But uh, I actually did a short sale, and an investor called me because I was uh, running behind on a house. I had four houses, one job, and I uh, was running out of money. And an investor called me and actually helped me to short sale my house, and I asked him, you know, what are you doing, how do you do this, so that I can help others do this and not sort of not get back in the situation again. So he actually... I uh, said, go get educated first and get a good knowledge of that, and then you can learn how to do it. But that's sort of how I got started. But uh, uh transitioned out of corporate America in 2009. Well, I didn't transition out. Corporate America pushed me out. <laughs> I got laid off like a bunch of other folks. But uh, prior to that, I had been running a small you know, small short sale business, small investment business, uh, part-time. I uh, worked a full-time corporate job and basically learned how to put systems in place so I could be at work eight, nine hours a day and still have work being done that same eight, nine, ten hours a day. 
and basically, as time went on, transitioned that into a full-time uh, business. So I've been full-time uh, about three years, uh, part-time for two years, so about five years actively, uh, predominantly short sales and, and wholesale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that, that's a little bit about, about that. Um, I guess where we are business-wise, we keep a pipeline somewhere between 40 and 60 short sales, um, about about 50-50 whether they're retail short sales or they're going to be wholesale deals. Um, last year, we closed 62 uh, transactions last year, and it's been going up every year. So for the last three years in a row, we've been going up from the 40s up into the 60s, and our projecting this year, we're, we're going for 100 closings this year, 100 different houses closed short sales this year. That's mm-hmm. our goal. Mm-hmm. So you're not a guy who's got a course for sale. You're not a guy no. who you're not a guy who's done three short sales, and that's where your experience comes from. You were in the market on a day-to-day basis with all of the different lenders out there. Also, HUD short sales, VA short sales. Um, I'm I'm setting the stage here for folks because we're going to say some things that are not what they are used to hearing. And uh, just just emphasizing that that you are doing this on on a daily basis. I know you've closed. Uh, Would you tell me seven or eight properties just since the beginning of the year? Yeah, this is uh, number nine. Will be closing Friday. Okay, okay. So, in let, let's set this up by 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 giving like the thirty second summary of what you think the short sale business is really like right now. The, the short sale business now is is more complicated than has been this last you know three or four years. It seems like every six to eight months we've got to readjust our systems because a regulation changed, a rule changed, a form changed, a bank merged, you know, all these little interventions. So you're working on something one day, and what worked six months ago, you do the same thing and it doesn't work today. So you can't. You can't get frustrated, but you get to step back and just solve the problem and keep it going. But it, it's um, it's a it's a good business day because there's lots of there are lots of deals out there, lots of sources to find deals. Um, uh, I like it because uh, you know there are lots of deals you can make offers on. There, you know, there's there are lots of people out there who are in those situations because of the economy, and it, there'll be there'll continue to be deals out there. But the 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 business itself right now is something that if you're not paying attention to detail. Not you know doing the right disclosures, not communicating properly, and doing the right follow up, and managing private money, and managing uh, wholesale buyers, and managing retail buyers, and working with large numbers of people. Uh, it's just it just isn't going to work. So you have got to have talent to cover a lot of bases, and wear a bunch of hats all the time. Mm-hmm. It, it's not something that that's easy. It's not honestly it isn't easy, but it is very doable, and and it's just something that you can do when you start running. A number of systems, and mm-hmm. it's systems is what's going to make it work. Because this thing is, things have to happen on a certain timeline. They have to happen um, the right way. You've got legal issues you got to worry about, and those kinds of things that have to be done properly. Mm-hmm. You know, there's when you when you work with the public, things have to be done the right way. They have to be done the right way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, something that I notice about you, as I do with most high volume short sale people who are still in the market. I mean, they're, they're, five years ago, I knew two dozen investors who were doing the level of deals that you're doing. Today, I know about three. And the thing they all have in common is they have a real estate license. 
how is that important? Why, why, why is that the case? The, the real estate license is important because it, it, it's a, a number of things. First thing that uh, it, it, it's access. You know, you're, you're around you know realtors who are uh, you know who the people you know seventy percent of the, of, the, of the country when they get ready to sell a house they're going to turn to a realtor. The the other thing about having a real estate license is lot sometimes sometimes the only money in a deal is the commission. So every deal is not nice and fat and plump and all kinds of money in it. Uh, but doing the right way, the least thing you can do if you have a license is earn a commission. There's always there's always going to be a commission of some sort in there, and the banks are constantly trying to cut it from six percent to five percent to four percent, playing with that. But sometimes the only monies that are in a deal sometimes, quite frankly, are the commissions. So if you're not able to capture the commission, sometimes there's not any other monies that are going to be available for, for the work that you do. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one of the reasons why we had real estate licenses is, is just because some of these deals are thin. Some of them are skinny, and they take up a lot of time sometimes. So that's, that's a big reason for that. Uh, but another big reason is, is that in the realtor market, uh, as you learn to work with realtors and appreciate what they do and build some respect and camaraderie with them, they are a good source of leads. Uh, and, you know, we can take one skill from, a, from an investor-type person and marry that with a realtor and then make a pretty good team on getting things done. So I've always taken a mindset of, you know, how do we work with a realtor? How do we maximize their talent, their skill set, and leverage that with our skill set? And together we can do some things. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a lot to learn on both sides uh, of, of that real estate investor versus a realtor fence. Mm-hmm. So having that license gives you access. Um, there are systems and things that realtors do very, very well, uh, some things that they don't do well, but a lot of things they do rather well. It's just a matter of being with the right people, right organization, so that you have something that fits what you do and, and what they do, but it also keeps a very high level of compliance. The realtor community is very compliant, and so that keeps a lot of things in check, which is a good thing. Keeps a lot of things in check because the realtor community is very, very compliant, which is good. Very good. Uh, We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss how the business has changed over the course of the last two to three years and why so many of those deals are skinny deals now. We're also going to take listener calls. You can give us a call at 772-9658 if you're here in the greater Cincinnati area. 877-772-9658 if you're listening to us on the on the web or you can send us an email by going to askvina.com Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. The topic today is the truth about short sales. We're talking today to Anthony Allen who is a licensed real estate agent with Keller Williams Realty in Chesterfield, Missouri, and the owner of ShortSaleYourLenderToday.com. Uh, we're talking about uh, the, 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 the real day-to-day, what it's like to be out there in the short sale market. Now, Anthony, earlier in the program, you mentioned that at any given moment, you have between 40 and 60 short sales in the pipeline. In other words, they're they're at some stage between the owner called and is interested in doing them and about ready to close. And there's a, there's a whole obviously huge area between those two things. Um, and, and obviously with 40 to 60 in the pipeline at all, all the time, you're not closing all of those. What, what percentage of those deals turn out to be deals that you can 
truly negotiate down to a price where somebody, whether it be an investor or retail buyer, is going to buy them. Okay. Um, Good question. Uh, I guess to answer that, one of the things that we've been able to do is we've learned what deals are worth working on and what deals are not. So our process of ascertaining what deal we're going to take, you know, we start off by doing a quick title search. We also can tell you, based on experience, some of the lenders uh, will not work with us for regardless of the reason, so we're going to call those things out. We've also learned to find homeowners who, you know, want a short sale but don't want to cooperate. So there's, you know, six, seven, eight, ten different things that pop up when you first meet a person or first work with one to see whether the deal's going to work. So we've taken a, a lot of lumps over the last three years as to what bad deals were. So we've started to uh, call those out on the front end so we don't fill our pipeline with things that don't close. That's, that's experience that's helping us uh, to do that. Um, but the answer to the other part of the question is once we get them into the pipeline, we're able to close about 70%. 70, 75% of those we can close. The mm-hmm. only time that we really don't close a deal is if a, uh, if a lender sends out an appraiser that, that is ridiculous, that's out of, outside of whack. There's no price, no one ever can buy it. Uh, when you have those kinds of things, you really can't close it regardless of how hard you work. And sometimes there are situations where um, the homeowners may be so far on other issues, i.e., you know, guy, guy files a bankruptcy at the last second, which we can do, but uh, when people have state tax liens and, you know, for whatever reason here recently, um, somehow the state's gotten smarter things, but, you know, we'll start a file and work on it for a month or two, and then all of a sudden get close to closing, the state tax lien pops up, and there's no way to deal with that. So we lose sometimes for, for those reasons. But uh, for the most part, uh, we're hitting that 70%, 70 75% range. One other thing that we've done is we've tracked every single deal that, either went into foreclosure or the pricing was out of whack. And 90% of those deals that we did not close, um, when they come back on the marketplace, the lenders are getting probably 25 to 30% less than we offer for them and our clients offer for them mm-hmm. every single time. So uh, I, I think that hopefully over time the, the banks are going to learn that short sales are, are better than, than foreclosing, and we definitely got data to prove that. But uh, we're 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 in a seventy percentile, with the exception of those things that that when people have you know excessive liens, things like that that we can't do. So we can't do anything with a state tax lien. Federal tax liens are, are easy. State tax liens are a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, now I want to give the uh, the the contact information again here for folks who have questions about. Uh, what it is you're teaching us here, Anthony. Seven seven two nine six five eight is the number here in the studio. If you're listening on the web from someplace other than the Cincinnati area, give us a call at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight, or you can send us an email by going to the website askvina.com. Don't try to put that into your uh, into your uh, you know Outlook. It's not going to work. You got to go to askvina.com. Click on the button that says Ask Vina a Question and then send it. Remember to let us know from where you are writing. There's a place there that says from. That means like you're supposed to write like from Atlanta or from Chicago. Okay, because that sometimes makes a difference in the answers. Uh, Now, Anthony, uh, five years ago, short sales were the hottest topic in the real estate investing world. It was all about... You know, do the short sales. They're easy. They're 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 very very profitable. You can get you can get uh, deals negotiated very consistently at at wholesale prices. And uh, 
in my observation anyway, that has changed and and it continues to change. It seems like every few months <laughs> something something new comes up that that uh, it, 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 it appears to the folks that I talk to who are investors that the banks are, quote, making it more difficult. What what is it that has that has changed and is changing that is making it more difficult for investors to get these things down to investor prices? Well, what's happening is is that uh, the the banks are getting smarter. There, uh, five years ago, we would have uh, local real estate agents doing more BPOs. Today, we've got more certified appraisers coming out, uh, and and the the numbers that the appraisers give are, quite frankly, more more accurate than some of the other folks who weren't doing it uh, as well. So that, that's a big piece. The other thing is with with all of the the regulations or the things that have been in, implemented to sort of prop the market up, HAMP, HAFA, uh, and th- those kinds of programs have people starting and stopping. And um, and then the, the, the loan modification process, which is, you know, in my opinion, sort of worthless, but uh, people starting those processes and they can't stop them, and homeowners ordering appraisals and lenders doing appraisals and things like that, getting the prices wrong, and, and the Internet is, in some cases, some of our areas, is just way wrong. So the, the values have been killing that. Uh, and those kinds of things have been stopping us from being able to get as many as many done. So the discounts aren't going to be there. But I, I do believe the banks have gotten smarter in what they're doing. The processes are working. And you have more and more agents getting into the short sale business. Years ago, you didn't have that many agents. But agents are starting to get in, and they're starting to help you know stabilize uh, those prices and communicate what those things really, truly are. And uh, it, it has been helping, but it's really been difficult uh, for some investors to stay moving, mm-hmm. and, and it's because it's more complex today. It, there's there's no easy wins out there uh, in, in doing the short sales. You know, today, uh, I guess just just this, this week we were looking at uh, a Freddie Mac deal. Then there was a, a Fannie Mae deal. Then there's a different process for uh, for an FHA deal. Then there's a different process for one that's conventional. Then there's a different process for a second mortgage. And there's a different process for a home equity line. And all of those things that they keep moving and changing, and whether you have one program or another program, uh, makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And then you know, we, with the consolidation of the of the lenders, you know, with Bank of America, for instance, you know, buying some of these companies, taking some of that business that fell apart, and these other systems, you know, the equator systems, other systems, they're helping to make it you know easier, better, faster for the banks to do it, um, and it's it, easier for the realtor community, but. Uh, for lay people, sometimes it's not going to be that easy for them to get them done. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a constant amount of change in uh, documents required and what those documents look like and, and why and why and the timing. Sometimes if you miss time, it's just not going to be there. So it, it is it – is, and then there's also a level of compliance that's been added, uh, making sure that you know, people you know, um, have got the right vote documentation. They've had an opportunity – to to see if you can cure some other kind of way, uh, mm-hmm. rather than just short sale. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds for these things. It sounds like it sounds like part of part of what's made things quote harder is that the system is just more efficient than it used to be. We we had a, a very uh, inefficient system in the past where if if I as an investor was trying to negotiate a short sale, I might have that short sale all to myself where. 
today, if, a, if an agent who knows how to do short sales gets a hold of that, it's going to be exposed to many more people. There's a much uh, higher chance that someone who wants to pay more than I'm going to is going to come along and get it. Uh, part of it is government regulation that always tends to make things a little more complex and <laughs> difficult. And um, uh, part of it is 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 just simply that there's there's so many different ways that uh even even individual banks i mean you said you said fannie mae has one process freddie mac has one process hud has one process wells fargo has a different process than bank of america does <laughs> it's it, exactly. it's it's uh it, it's a lot to keep up with unless you are as you are uh doing a lot of these things and working with a lot of these different lenders uh in the same uh, all all at the same time now one of the things that caused a huge splash in the investment community a few years back was that Freddie Mac, who is, of course, you know, Fannie Mae's little brother, uh, a buyer of uh, properties on the or buyer of mortgages on the secondary market, issued a statement on their website and it got out to the press. And it, it basically said something along the lines of we feel like any deal where an investor is putting a property under contract and then selling it for a higher price is illegal. It, it, or, or if it's not illegal, it should be illegal. And that just, I mean, people just, if you watched the internet around that time, people were just absolutely freaking out about that and how dare they say that and so on. But the bottom line is it's the banks and the secondary mortgage holders that control this and and whether or not you whether or not you agree with what they think about it what they think about it drives it and you you were telling me a little bit earlier offline that uh freddie mac properties are a particular problem uh they, they definitely are i personally wouldn't invest in a freddie mac property for, for as an reo because of the restrictions it's just it doesn't seem right or fair but uh you know they've got Every every twist of Freddie Mac has different rules. It's always different, and it seems as if it's harder and harder to, to get it to go. Uh, on the retail side, it's still difficult there. We we had an issue several months ago where uh, six of the big title companies in town would not close a Freddie Mac short sale. Absolutely wouldn't close it because of an addendum that they put out, and that went up the, up the chain. And we had seven short sales called up that we couldn't close because we had trouble finding uh, a title company to close it, we we finally were able to to do some things to work that out, but um, that 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 episode went to the, to the high levels of Alta, went to the high levels of some of the big brokerages uh, to get it resolved. And there was a there was a uh, a memo issued uh, early December, and then there were some changes that came late December, January about how they were resolving it because it began to have an impact on the marketplace, but. A lot of lay people doing short sales have no idea that they even have a Freddie Mac short, so they didn't even know that they couldn't close it until mm-hmm. they got to closing. Mm-hmm. So uh, that kind of thing. It just it, and and Freddie Mac continues to be, you know, one of the worst servicers to actually uh, work with. We're trying to only we're only trying to help dispose of uh, that inventory that's not that's not moving. That's 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 not right. So we we work on it all the time, but we don't seem to get the support uh, from Freddie Mac. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's time for another quick break. I'm inviting listeners again to ask any questions you have about short sales, because this is a guy who he's doing them right this minute. He's probably got a pile of short sale files on his desk 
as he's talking to us on his phone right now. So if you have any questions about short sales, give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email by going to askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Anthony Allen of Keller Williams Realty in Chesterfield, Missouri. He's also the owner of ShortSaleYourLenderToday.com. We're talking about the realities of actually making money in short sales. And we're talking about that with a guy who's got absolutely no interest in selling you anything in regards to short sales. And so, Anthony, I'm going to ask you... Um, a tough question. I'll put you on the spot here a little bit. And I'm going to say, if there was a listener out there who's a relatively new investor, maybe a part-timer, and they've heard about short sales, and it sounds so great, and they, they, they want to pursue short sales as a new part-time real estate investor, is that something that you would recommend to someone like that? And if so, under what conditions? Well, I, I would I would recommend the first thing I'd recommend to them is they got to learn how to wholesale. You got to learn how to put something on a contract and find a buyer for that for that for that property based on the location, condition, and those kinds of things. Buy it first. I think they've got to learn that first, and then then learn to market for short sales as a way to be able to get a pro- contract, get a property under contract, and control it, and then be able to to uh, to sell it, or either. Uh, take that piece of inventory and get a good price on it so that they can rehab it or so that they can put it in their portfolio. But uh, but definitely I would think the first thing that they should learn how to do is to understand the wholesaling process first because that's the, the, the way to get rid of a short sale because one of the biggest challenges I had when I first got started was uh, it really wasn't finding it. It was how to get rid of it. Uh, it was, uh, was, was a hard part. So once I learned how to, to wholesale and understand how to move a property, how to sell a property, then it became easier my confidence level went up once i was able to get something on the contract so that's what i recommend that they do first is learn how to wholesale and then from the short sale side learn how to market for a short sale then um get that short sale on the contract and focus on selling it and spend their time focusing on how to help the person you're working with how do i help this person how do i service this person by helping that person solve their problem by being underwater unemployed, whatever case might be, solving their problem, you'll be able to get to your end goal mm-hmm. uh, while you're doing that. So I, I think that's the best way that they got to go. Now, for that for that new investor who doesn't doesn't have a team, and we'll talk about your team in a minute, uh, it's just them, and you know they're they're trying to maybe work this work this around a job or something like that. What are the chances that on any given deal they find, they're going to be able to negotiate that down to? A price at which they can wholesale it. Well, uh, being part time and not being able to answer the phone when a loss mitigator calls, you're at a disadvantage. You've got to have a system to answer the phone, a system to communicate with that lender uh, to get that done. Uh, most of the banks are going to require that a house be listed, and there are several ways to get that listed without a real, without having a real estate license. Put 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 that right person on your team to do that. Um, but that will be difficult. It's not going to be easy, and those guys aren't at the banks aren't going to call you back two or three times to ask you, "Well, I didn't get your facts. Mm-hmm. I didn't do this. You know, you didn't do that. You know, you just aren't going to get that kind of follow up and feedback from them." So, uh, to do it, you've got to be uh, proactive, pushing the process always. You got to push it 
And sometimes you got to do things two and three times, although you know you've done it. You just do it uh, automatically and put systems in place to constantly follow up on it. But I, I, a person just getting started, like I said earlier, wholesaling is it, and then learning to do a handful of short sales, a small number of short sales very well all the way through and, and, and find out, you know, what type of loan it is because that's half of the ballgame, finding out what type of loan it is so that you know what the numbers are. And then you've got to be able to, to get that property negotiated. And one way, you've you got to get it listed. You've got to do the right uh, broker's price opinion. You've got to make sure you meet that person and help them understand that. You've got to know your numbers so that you can effectively make an offer and see what is the right price. So it's going to take some study to find out what it is in that marketplace. Uh, it, it's it's not possible without a team, honestly. Without a team, you gotta you got to build a team. And I think that's probably was a – the biggest skill set that that helped me was I was I was forced to build a team because I had an eight to five job, so I had to learn how to leverage people, how to uh, put those folks in the right place, use their skill sets to help get the work done. You share the money, you share all those things, but uh, without having that team, there was no way I could have done it. So that's another I, I, that's something I think they really got to focus on is how to put that team together. Uh, and when you're brand new, lots of folks don't trust you. You haven't mm-hmm. done anything. No one knows you. So you're going to have to work even harder just to get someone to like and trust you to give you the opportunity mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of one of the things, one of the ideas under which shorts, the, 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 the strategy of short sales was pitched to people uh, starting really about 10 years ago and, and, and continuing to, to today is that these properties are very easy to get under contract. In other words, most sellers will, if, if you sit down with them and explain what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and buy your house for less than what you owe the bank, but I'm going to try and get the bank to take that. You're not, you're not going to have to, you know, come to the closing with any money. Most sellers are willing to sign that contract, right? It's not, that's, that's, that's not the hard part. But then the rest of the pitch at the time was, oh, well, but then you can very easily go out and, you know, if it's a $100,000 house and it needs $20,000 in work, you can very easily get it under contract for 40000 and sell it for forty five as part of a wholesale deal. And I, and I think that that part of it, the, the, you're, you're almost always going to get the super low price, is what has kind of fallen apart in the last few years. Exactly. Well, you're not going to go out and steal. You're not you're not robbing banks and it, no you're just not going to get those dealer type pricings. It, it's you know it's not out there anymore. Honestly, uh, it, are there fair prices? Yes. Are there fair discounts? Yes. Uh, but just going out and robbing and stealing? No. No. It, it, it's compliant. The, the banks have countermeasures in place and all those kinds of stuff. So it, it's more fair out there. I think in the marketplace today, much more fair. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you think of all the number of transactions, I mean, those, those lenders and all the other data pieces there, there's data that says what these houses should be selling for out there. Mm-hmm. And you know, there, there's, a, there's a discount out there always, but it's not going to be this gargantuan uh, discount. And then when you, when you start adding financing into it, uh, there are fewer people out there with, with uh, money that can get loans out there today. So you've got to have a good buyer's list. Or you know know how to market to people with money or people with private funding and things like that to get those deals done. So it's it's nowhere near as easy as what as what those guys said it was. Not today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's not that easy. Okay. 
Okay, we're starting to get uh, a couple of, uh, of of questions in that are actually more interesting than what I was going to ask you. So <laughs> let's uh, let's deal with some of these. Uh, here's an email from JC out in Las Vegas. He says, would you please ask Anthony about the process of negotiating lien releases on junior mortgages versus first mortgages? Because we, we, we very often see, and this, this, is a, this is a leftover from the subprime days, where very often the loan that you got was actually an 80% first and a 20% second, sometimes with the same bank. Sometimes it's not with the same bank anymore. So uh, some of the properties that folks are behind on, there's this, the, the first mortgage isn't the problem, the problem is the second. That's what's, that's what's killing the deal for you as an investor. Is it easier? Is it harder? Has it changed to negotiate these seconds? Uh, it, it, it has gotten a little bit more difficult. Uh, the second mortgages don't just lay down and play dead. They don't do that anymore. Um, most of the time, if, if the first lender has a second mortgage, uh, they're more apt to work with you to settle that. Um, a couple things out there. On the, on the second mortgages, if the seller is so far behind and that second mortgage company has sold that debt to a green tree or some other company who who buys that bad debt, those guys aren't going to let it go very easily. So there are a couple companies out there that have been buying those second mortgages, and they're just hanging out and chasing those sellers for 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 for, for years and years and years. And uh, I know a couple of those companies, and when I meet people who have those loans, we tell them up front, um, you know, in our experience, this particular lien holder on a second mortgage uh, is going to uh, pursue you for that deficiency a long, long time. So I tell them that up front. If they want to go forward, we can. If they don't, we don't. But um, those guys are trying to do all kinds of things to chase that debt. Um, but the, the second mortgages can be done, uh, but you got to get them before they get sold, you know, before, before they're sold as bad debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way to get them is is through through HAFA. HAFA, if that second lender participates in HAFA, uh, they're sort of mandated to to comply. So those who participate in it. It's an easier way to get your second done. Now, there's a restriction. You can't resell that property within 90 days. So that, that's another restriction. But that's a way to get, to get, to get that done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, just that little restriction. Just that little, oh, I can't sell it for 90 days thing. Um, n- another quick break. Last one of the show. And when we come back, we're going to answer the questions of Kyle, who is from Fort Lauderdale, and also from Andy in Atlanta. We'll be back right after this. Support comes from Fifth Third Bank in the Broadway and Cincinnati series, presenting West Side Story at the Aronoff Center, February 28th through March 11th. More than 50 years ago, this musical changed Broadway theater forever, and today it's as powerful, poignant, and timely as ever. The memorable score of West Side Story includes classics like Tonight, America, Somewhere, and I Feel Pretty. Tickets and information for the show at broadwayincincinnati.com. Checking on traffic, we have an accident Ludlow at Spring Grove with injuries, 1700 block of Independence Road in Kentucky, Kentucky 237 at Kentucky 20, which is uh, North Bend at Petersburg, and uh, also accidents Ribolt at Wesselman, Springfield Pike at Glen Springs. Backups include eastbound 275 at Montgomery towards Corner and where you might uh, expect them on a uh, Wednesday afternoon. Your forecast tonight, showers... Uh, uh, arriving. In fact, uh, if looking at the weather radar, there are some areas around the tri-state already getting some rain. Tonight, we'll get some uh, heavy downpours possibly after midnight. We'll get down to about 40 degrees. Tomorrow, a high of 49. Chance of precipitation 100%. We could get some heavy downpours, as I said, 
Uh, and then Friday, some sunshine with a high of 47 degrees. It's 48 degrees right now here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Anthony Allen, who uh, has been kind enough to share with us this afternoon his uh, extensive and current experience in the short sale market. Um, Interesting question here from Kyle, who is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He says... I'm a landlord with a number of rental properties that are now badly upside down thanks to the fact that I bought them in 2006 and 2007. I have a particular property in which in which I'm in foreclosure where the loan is held with City Financial. I've been trying to get an offer on it but haven't been successful. Last week, a collection company identifying themselves as being with City Financial called and offered me a settlement of $130,000. The loan balance is $260,000. What's unusual about this is I did not present them with an offer. I've never heard of this happening before. Is this something new or am I being scammed? Uh, That has happened in a number of cases. Uh, We've actually had homeowners get a letter from... uh, those let me sort of go back. I think sometimes those bad debts are sold. Okay, maybe when City Financial couldn't collect, they sold it to somebody else for a profit, and so that person is trying to sell that paper to you or take a settlement from you. So we've had a number of, of, of properties here in, in the St. Louis Metro where you know, with some of the areas, you can tell where the value of the property it's not worth foreclosing, and the lenders will send those guys a letter that says, "Give us X thousand bucks." And we'll settle it. And I've seen a number of people do that. So that that is real. That where that happens. Uh, there are other scenarios where people have gotten letters in the mail that say you're going to get ten thousand dollars, fifteen thousand uh, dollars, an incentive to help short sell your property. And I've been to closings where sellers have really got ten to fifteen thousand dollars because they got that letter from XYZ Bank. Hmm. So uh, I would not say that that's a scam. That is that has happened a number of times uh, with us. Hmm. Hmm. It does happen, yes. So yeah. I, I would call to find out or do some background and make sure that, that that's legitimate. But uh, with City Financial, they're, I think, in, in the Baltimore area. So you even the old ones that are bad with City Financial, you can sort of go backwards and track them down. They'll actually come up with someone to do that. Um, so so that's that's real. That's possible that, that that's a real offer that you got from them. Hmm. Very interesting. Okay, and a question from Andy from Atlanta. He says... Uh, Anthony keeps referring to his team. Who should we have on our team if we want to do a high volume of short sales? Well, the the team, uh, the probably the number one person on your team is going to be if you are an agent, your agent. So you got to have you know some people to help you sell those properties. Your title agent is very very close to you to, to that person who's going to help you collect the money. So you got to understand that that person is going to help you legal. Uh, you know your whoever your counsel is going to be. That's a big person. Um, I think you've got to build some, some access to private money. Uh, that's big. Um, and then your help. Uh, the, the short sale business is, is something that it, it requires t- attention to detail. So you've got to have people around you who can answer phones, return phone calls, do those kinds of things to service people because the, the people you're working with are, are distressed. So they may take an extra amount of time on the telephone. You may have to spend an extra few minutes with them at their home. You may have to counsel them. Uh, if a realtor brings you a deal, you may have to spend some more time with that realtor to help him or her understand how the process works and say it two, three, four times. 
So it's going to be a little labor-intensive, but you're going to need um, all of those folks on your team, whether you're short-selling, wholesaling, retailing, rehabbing. You've got to have a good title company on your side. You've got to have access to private money. You've got to have a realtor or two that's going to help you with some of those things That if you don't have a license. Even if you do have a license, I still, although I have a license, I still sometimes share those listings with other people because it takes work uh, to get those things done and then the follow-up and the compliance with it. Um, but, you know, you got to have an insurance person on your team. Uh, we've got a financial person because sometimes we have high-dollar clients, low-dollar clients who have monies that need to be uh, repositioned or something like that to do because you can't give financial advice because you're not a financial planner, so you got to make sure that you have a competent person you can refer them to to give them that advice, legal advice, same thing, uh, and also the accounting advice. You can't, you know, you're not an accountant, so you can't give them that, so you have to have people around you who you can very quickly refer them to do that. Another person we've added to our team is a uh, credit counselor. So we've got a credit repair agency who, you know, after we do a closing, we're going to tell the homeowner, you know, you know, uh, you, you got to get your credit moving and going. So our credit repair person is going to work with that homeowner to make sure that that credit gets reported accurately after that short sale and also that they're working on getting themselves in a better position. So you know the, the teams are pretty. It's a pretty. It's an important group. Wow, you're you're um, you're uh, you're you're truly full service, aren't you? I mean, you 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 got the the homeowner in, the buyer in, the 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 realtor in. Um, how how many people do you have that work directly for you as opposed to your outside team? Well, I've got uh, two people inside. Um, one person that that that's sort of focuses on getting the packages submitted and doing the initial lender contacts. Then a person that works once we get it under contract and we're starting negotiating, carry that from, from that point towards closing. So um, inside two full-time people and um, everything else is, you know, pay for a contract. You know, I've got a, we got a yard guy that does signs and banners and stuff like that. Uh, we've got a professional photographer that takes pictures and, and does floor plans and things like that so we can sell them. Um, I've got a copywriter who helps to, to write things for websites, uh, helps write the marketing, things like that. Um, someone who does some of your internet stuff, because you can't do all of those things yourself. So you surround yourself with people who are good at that, and you, you compensate them for the task or for their specific skill set that they do. Um, we have a call center, so that once you get, once you get larger, you're going to get a lot of phone calls. So you got to have somebody professional to answer the phone because you can't be on the phone all the time, but yet you want to make sure a human touches a lot of your folks. Um, got to get good at follow-up, and I'm not perfect at it. I'll tell you, I miss it all the time. Um, your computer system's got to be up to speed so mm-hmm. you can catch that traffic. Um, but the Internet is, I mean, I, I got an iPad, and it's amazing what you can do with an iPad. <laughs> so that's a big part of the team. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's funny as you're saying this. I'm I'm thinking about all the all the part-time investors sitting around trying to do this all by themselves and wondering why they can't close 68 deals a year <laughs> like you do. And I mean the 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 reality of it is, it's just it's just not necessarily as easy as somebody trying to sell you a two thousand dollar course about how easy it is uh, might say. <laughs> Uh, we've, got, uh, we've got we've uh, got another question here from Justin in Lav- I think it's Livonia, Michigan. 
Uh, he says, I primarily work in the Detroit area, and it's not uncommon to see properties where the loan is $78,000 and the current as-is value is under $20,000. <laughs> says, he says, this is thanks to what I will call over-exuberance, primarily from out-of-town investors. But the question is, are these worth chasing under any conditions? Yes, those are perfect wholesale deals. If it's worth twenty, and, and uh, the bank gives you a fifteen to twenty percent discount, that's a small amount of money. There, it's a perfect way to build a rental portfolio. Well, he's he's uh, he's saying the loans on these properties can be as much as seventy eight thousand, and and he needs it doesn't, it, he needs the, to get the, them down the to loan, twenty. Well, the loan that's on a property has nothing to do with what a property is worth in today's current marketplace. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the first things you got to quit thinking about that. You know, we've got houses that are that the loans are half a million dollars. We're going to sell for one sixty five, one seventy, one eighty. It's not. It has nothing to do with what is owed. It has everything to do with what is it worth today in its current condition. Mm-hmm. What's owed on it is not relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if a person can't pay it. I think the nature of his question is: Are banks going to take that? I mean, that's yeah. that's that's like an eighty percent discount. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. They, they can they can take it at the current market rate right now, or they can take less when they foreclose. Yes, exactly. You shouldn't say it like that. That's not a negotiation tool, but the answer is we we find those all the time. If you know, Just because someone paid this exuberant price for something years ago, it's only worth what it's worth today. And mm-hmm. that's and we got to continue to work on those deals so we get the marketplace back to even kilter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Well, we are just about out of time, Anthony. I really want to thank you for sharing your experiences. And I know we could do a whole nother show about, you know, how do you find these deals and how do you get these realtor referrals and so on. And if we get enough folks going to AskVina.com and saying they want to hear that, we may do that in the very near future. So I do appreciate your time. Very quickly, for those of you who are in the greater Cincinnati area, Cincinnati RIA does have a regular meeting tomorrow night, and it's a good one. The early meeting is about turnkey rentals. The main one is with a panel of experienced investors talking about how their business changed in 2011 and how they expect it to change in 2012. Look forward to seeing you there, CincinnatiRIA.com. We'll be back with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing. 